0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hello everyone. Good morning. My name's Grace. It's been such a blessing to be with you all over the last few months. I've met some of you. There's lots of you I'd like to meet. I'm only here for a few more weeks Um, But basically, I uh, live in the States normally, and I've just spent the last few months at Birmingham Vineyard while I'm on sabbatical, just seeing you guys as a church, and how you have an impact on this city, and all you're doing for Birmingham, and it's such a special thing to see, I've been so blessed by you all, and by seeing the impact that you're having in this community. So thank you for having me, it's been a blessing. This week, we're finishing the last week of our series in Hosea. We're going to be going through chapter 14 today. And we've learned a lot over this time. Hosea is a beautifully poetic and prophetic book in the Old Testament. And it's addressed to the ancient Israelite people. And it kind of acts as a warning and response to a nation that had fallen into some bro- broken and sinful habits. As often is the case with people that God calls to be prophets in ancient times, Hosea, the writer of this book, was asked by God to kind of live this life that was like a parallel of what was going on in ancient Israel. And so he experienced these personal things that kind of reflected the bigger picture of what was going on in the whole nation. God um, had one message, and it was simply this. Israel's sin was great, But God's love for ancient Israel was much greater. Throughout this book, we've seen themes of God's mercy, redemption, judgment, faithfulness, discipline, fatherly love, desire for resurrection. And as we come to the last chapter today, we see how he wants to welcome us. There's four main things that we're going to discover in the final chapter of Hosea today. The first is this. God wants us to come to him, whatever has happened. And then our security and freedom come from God alone. Our God welcomes us to flourish through him. And this invitation is for everyone, regardless of your background, regardless of where you're coming from. This invitation is for you. So before we dive into the chapter today, I just want to share a story of um, something that happened to me um, over the last few years, um, which kind of reflects a bit of what we see happening in this chapter. But basically for the last uh, three and a half years, I lived with two girls that I met at my local church in America. And we moved into this house in the city center of our city in the States and just started praying these three girls. We were like, Lord, what do you want us to do with this house? You've given us this amazing resource, um, but this house belongs to you, Jesus. And so what do you want us to do with it? And as we were praying and kind of thinking about the house and how we could use it, we felt like God had given us an opportunity to welcome in people who either maybe just didn't have community or needed new friendships and people who maybe didn't know Jesus yet but we wanted to have a space where they felt safe. And there was an opportunity to meet people who did and find out what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we decided we were going to do this. And as the months progressed, the three of us basically figured a night of the week, Wednesday night, where we were going to invite any young adult in the city to come and hang out with us. Um, So we have some pictures. um, And we did this every Wednesday for three years. So it was pretty. It was, it was a, quite a big thing and it took up a lot of effort, but it was really worth it. Um, so every week in the days leading up to our weekly hangout, we called it porch hangs because we had a front porch as a lot of American houses do if you've seen in the movies. And we started in the summer so people would just come and sit on our porch and we called it porch hangs. And the three of us would look throughout the week for any individuals that we met who might be interested. So it might be our local barista, it might be someone at work. Who are the people who either just need community or need Jesus in their lives? And we started inviting them to join us. These Usually these evenings were characterized by hanging out, if someone brought food, that would be delicious. We didn't organize meals, but if people wanted to bring food, we were very appreciative of it. And maybe the odd conversation about God. We never pushed it as like, this is a Bible study. But if people wanted to talk about Jesus, they knew that we made it evident that there was Christians in the room who were very happy to talk about what it means to be a follower of him. And so occasionally these conversations would come up. It wasn't every week. Probably... 75% of the weeks that we did it, conversations did not come up. But the few times where they did were really impactful because the person felt safe and they felt like they could ask these questions in a safe space. So we had this one week about a year in. We hadn't really seen anyone who had decided to become a Christian or anything, but we were building relationships with people. And we had this one young man... Who showed up at our house and none of us had invited him and we were like uh hello who are you stranger and he basically explained that he had a friend who'd been coming um, who wasn't there that night but had told him that if he was looking for community this was a place he could come and so he just showed up and we were like okay this is great come in uh we'd love to meet you we just start talking to him I, was, I remember being really nervous that night, because normally it looked like this. But that night, there was about five of us, and we were all Christians. And I was like, this poor guy is going to feel like he's walked into some Bible study. He's going to be so put off by this. But in hindsight, it was definitely the right people in the room. And so the night kind of started casually, and we talked about life. We just talked about what he did for work, and he talked about how actually he'd grown up going to a church but had never really understood or experienced what people were talking about when they talked about meeting Jesus and actually experiencing him in their lives. And so he walked away as a teenager and basically um, just felt like it wasn't for him. And now, as, as this young adult in his late 20s, he found himself in a situation where his wife was filing for a divorce Uh, He was nervous that he was not going to have any custody of his child and so he's not going to see his little girl and that week he had lost his job and so uh, in the middle of all of that he had decided to come to our house to a bunch of strangers um, and just see if there was people who would be his friend and so he was feeling broken and alone and one of my friends just took the opportunity to let him know he wasn't, he wasn't alone And we told him that our God is one of welcome, who embraces the lost and the brokenhearted, that his sin and his brokenness was no obstacle to God loving him, and that there was an opportunity for new life through Jesus. And we shared Romans 8 with him, which tells us this, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And the conversation continued, and we asked if we could pray for him. And he kind of hesitantly was like, yeah, you can can pray for me. And so we just prayed a prayer over him and just for peace and that um, he would feel God's love. And as we finished the prayer, one of my friends just felt really prompted to ask him, if he wanted this in his life, if he wanted to know Jesus again and invite him in. And the, the man basically said to us, look, I, I think I know that I've heard God saying to, that he wants me home for a long time, but I've been denying it. And I think this is this is him making it clear that he's wanting me back. And so he said yes. And we got to talk him through repentance and coming to Jesus. And he declared that he was so ready to say yes to Jesus that he wanted to be baptized right then and there. And we, we were so taken aback because we were like, uh, do you want to do it on a Sunday? We can bring you to church. And, and he basically explained that he'd never understood baptism when he went to church as a child because he felt like it was just a big show. But now he realized it was a public declaration, like Jesus is the Lord of my life and I love him. And I've got to just tell the world straight away. And so we were like, okay, we're not going to get in the way of you getting baptised. We're not going to be the people to do that. Yes, you can get baptised. We'll run the tub and we'll we'll baptise you in our bathtub. And so we did. We took him upstairs and four of us gathered in this really, really packed hallway. And then one of our friends baptised him. And we just all celebrated together in this hallway it was amazing and he was so excited and now that was a year ago and a year on he is still a good friend of ours he loves the Lord and he was so impacted by the idea that he could just be welcomed into someone's home that he decided to do it himself and he still does that now and Basically, the Lord has used a small invitation in one person's life to multiply and welcome others in the very same way. I've learned so much about God's welcoming love through this journey and seen how small obedience to invite people in allows God to work in their lives far beyond anything that we can do or imagine. So, we know that our God is one of welcome. Welcome. And as we go back to this chapter now, we're going to dive into it. In the midst of ancient Israel's worship to false gods and distancing themselves from the one true God, the Lord had one message for his people, and we'll see that in in these verses, and he says this, come back, I want to welcome you home. So if you have a Bible, you have your phone, we're going to go to chapter 14, Hosea chapter 14, and we're just going to read through the whole thing together starting at verse 1. So Hosea chapter 14 says this. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say, our God's, to what our own hands have made, for in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like a Jew to Israel, he will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots, his young shoots will grow, his splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade, They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So let's dive into these verses. This is kind of the conclusion to the book of Hosea. And what a beautiful conclusion it is. I mean, to summarize, it's basically just saying, I want you back. The Lord's saying, come back to me. It's okay, come back. So let's go through verse by verse and really see what's being said here. Let's go to verses 1 and 2 again. Verses 1 and 2 say this return Israel to the Lord your God, your sins have been your downfall, take words with you and return to the Lord, say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. So this is a really simple invitation to return, repent, believe, be welcomed. Hosea calls the people to return to God and he starts here because he wants people to know that God loves them first. That's the first priority. So he has to start in this place of return. He's not going to start with, these are all the list of things you've done wrong, right? Have you ever done something bad and to someone else and you felt so guilty or embarrassed that you just don't want to talk to them so you kind of avoid them, right? Well, this is an, a perfect example of the Lord saying, look, there's no need to be embarrassed. Like, that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on you coming back. You're welcome. Verse 3, let's go there. It says this. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. Nothing else in this world can offer true freedom. And God is the one who offers compassion. At this time in Israel's history... The kingdom was divided. Northern Israel had been ruled by this not great king and now basically faced destruction at the hands of the Assyrian Empire. So many people started looking to false gods or idols for security and protection. And in the the middle of all the curse and brokenness, the Israeli Israeli people seemed to forget that nothing was going to save them other than God. Hosea basically needed to send a message to the people that God was the only one who could have compassion and really save them. Think about your own life. Are there times where you've looked at other things for safety? Think about, for me, finances. If I have this much in my savings account, then I'll be be safe, right? And so what are those idols in your life? Are there things that you are relying on instead of trusting the Lord? And then verse 4 says this. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Israel had messed up, so God had a right to be angry, and yet he chooses to turn his, away his anger out of love. At this point in the chapter, we hear from God himself. He tells us that his desire is to not get angry at his people, but instead he desires to heal, heal and love them freely. Okay, we're going to go to a big chunk now, verses 5 through 8. Let's read that together. 5 through 8 says this. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade, and they will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more do I have to do with idols? I will answer him. And care for him, I'm like a flourishing juniper, your fruitfulness comes from me. So just a side note here, when it says he or Ephraim, that's another way of describing Israel. So we're basically talking about Israel in those places. The people of ancient Israel will flourish and become fruitful, but only through God's doing the work, not by their own strength. Here God creates a promise to his people. He tells them in the same way that he's welcoming them and showing them love. He'll make them a group of people who can be a refuge for others and welcome them. His promise is simple. Allow me to be the the source of your security and freedom. And then I'll make you secure and free. And not only that, but I'll make you flourish. And I'll make you grow to be something greater than you were before. Is there a time in your life where you've allowed God to be your strength? I think about, for me, there was a time where my car broke down and I just did not have the money to pay to have it repaired. And I could have easily in that moment just given up. But I remember thinking, the Lord is the only one who can save me in this situation. I've got to give it to him. And so I took my car to be repaired not knowing how I was gonna pay the bill. And I was like, Lord, you really got to pull one out of the park here because I'm about to be really embarrassed if I can't do this. And I took it to be repaired and I was told that they had pushed back the warranty on my car an extra year and it was a free repair. It was amazing, it was amazing. And so amazing things happen and we flourish when we start trusting that the Lord is our security and the Lord is our freedom. And so we can step out in faith knowing that we are secure in him. Finally, we come to verse nine. And verse nine says this, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. If we recognize that this promise from God is true, that this promise, then we know that this promise is for all of us, not just for the ancient Israelites. You may be thinking that this chapter is all fine and dandy, but what's This is a specific story for a specific time. How does it apply to us now? But this actual last verse is good news. We know that when Jesus came to earth, he promised a new covenant that was an invitation for everyone, not just the ancient Israelites. The challenge at the very end of the book of Hosea is for all who recognize the hope we have in God to step out in it. If we know these things to be true, we know that God wants to welcome us to live a life with him. There's so much good news embedded in the book of Hosea. God is giving us a promise of redemption and invitation. He is welcoming us to be a part of the amazing things he is doing. Like my friend who gave his life to Jesus, that was because the Lord had welcomed us in and then that allowed us to welcome others in. And it's not just that, he's wanting to work through us. So to recap what we've seen in these verses, God wants us to come to him, whatever has happened. Our security and our freedom come through God alone. God welcomes us to flourish through him and and his invitation is for everyone. I want you to spend a little bit of time thinking about your own circumstances in your own life. I have a few questions for you. Have you welcomed God into your own life? Maybe you're someone who doesn't know if you follow Jesus or not. There's an invitation for you to be welcomed in. You are welcome in the kingdom of God too. This is another question. Do you rely on God or the world for your security and freedom? Are there currently any idols in your life? Maybe it's finances, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your job. What are the things that you rely on for security instead of relying on God? And then finally, are you allowing God to do good things through you? Maybe he's saying things to you and he's saying, I want you to do this, but you're a bit nervous. Why don't you just step out and see what happens? He wants you to flourish and he wants you to see the things that he wants to do. And so are you allowing him to do those good things through you?